We at the Motorsport 101 Network do not condone the existence of Mika Leaks. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Hey everybody, I'm Dre Harrison. Welcome back to episode 268 of Motorsport 101. And uh, <laughs> this this hurdle has come. Like I, I like this. This should be a happy time because this is technically our sixth anniversary. Because of the very first episode of this podcast was the 2014 Russian Grand Prix, the very first Russian Grand Prix. Instead, we have to talk about the Russian Grand Prix. So it's kind of paradoxical by nature. Um, so we 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 got a soldier on anyway, but and we will try. Um, but uh, with me, as always, we have RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. Uh, I was two days ago old when I realized that Major League Baseball's postseason is not starting in the bubble, which I have affectionately dubbed the hashtag base bubble. And that I also realized that there was not one but two different bubbles in the states of California and Texas. Although I was at least right in remembering that the World Series will be played in its entirety no matter who wins either of the championship series at the Globe Life Outdoor Aluminum Grill in Arlington, Texas. Lovely. Also, I love that you've got the, you've got your own beloved Hawks on in the background, hoping nothing crazy happens over the next forty five minutes to an hour. Right? Trust me, as has been established in last last season of Motorsport One Hundred and One, bad things never happen when my beloved incorporated area of Cumberland <laughs> and Cobb County, Georgia, Barves. Play a postseason game during the middle of a podcast recording. Don't talk to me about NLDS Game 5. King, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm missing on the good old days of dunking on Sochi's Olympic Village for having cardboard for doors. Uh, being uh, um, introduced to the world of alpine skiing. and uh, <laughs> Yes, and other... Play memorable events from the 2014 Winter Olympic Games. TJ Oshi, American hero. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, I love I love what you said. Introduced in, 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 into into alpine skiing. Oh, I, if, I if you watch the podcast way. back then, you know. <laughs> Oh, oh, we know. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> hello, Cam. How's it going, sir? Um, it could be going better. I don't really want to watch the NBA Finals tonight. <laughs> we'll, we'll all watch it anyway. We will watch it uh, anyway. Um, my my brain is recovering from last night's presidential debate. The less said about that, the better. Not to get all political on this show. Oh well, no, no, no! It was just it was just existential screaming on both sides, really. Yeah. <laughs> I pretty That's much fun. said, hey guys, this, how was the national aneurysm last night? And everyone immediately <laughs> knew what I was talking about. <laughs> yep. No and hesitation my, whatsoever. <laughs> if you're watching this on YouTube, I apologize for the constantly changing light. I can't control what the sun does. <laughs> bring it Thanks, down. Thanks, New England bring weather. It down. <laughs> we're trying and hey Manchester United play in the middle of this recording as well so who knows what might happen in the next next. oh Dre we get so. to share the agony <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's down for another who's it could down be much for worse it could be a Jets fan 
<laughs> we punched down on King enough in this podcast, damn it. Yeah, we do. Like, like, oh, I, honestly, I, like, love, I love how King said, this is why I don't tweet very often. I don't want people yeah. to know I'm a Jets fan. <laughs> Letting his entire timeline know that he was a Jets fan. That, that 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 that's just cruel than usual punishment, Buckley. I mean, seriously, what are you doing? That like that, that's just uh, that's just raw. First and foremost, I am loving Cam Newton. That's As you should, that's... yeah. Man can still run, and we are. No matter what happens, we'll probably finish as a team better than the entire NFC East. That's that's a very low bar to clear, unfortunately. Yep. Indeed. I, uh, I didn't have to pick my feet up to clear it. As you do. Anyway, in this next podcast, we will break down all the goings on in the Russian Grand Prix, which, unfortunately, a lot of the action took place off the track and in the steward's office, in every sense of the term. In and out. And uh, we'll get into all of that. We'll get into Valtteri Bottas winning. We'll, we'll talk about some of the Twitch gang scrapping that out as well. Um... A whole bunch of stuff going down as well. Like again, a lot of political, a lot of political talk. I don't actually love that on this show. So that that should be fun indeed. We'd also talk uh, a brand new CEO at, for- at uh, Formula One. Amazingly, this story broke about 15 minutes after we stopped recording last week. The Motorsport <laughs> Formula One special, baby. Yeah. Uh, of course. Like it wouldn't be Motorsport 101 without a slightly too early recording because. Uh, the news broke about 15 minutes after we uh, started recording that uh, Stefano Domenicali will become F1's new CEO. We'll talk about that as he takes over on January 1st. And we'll talk about Formula 2 as Mick Schumacher took another feature race win. And Guan Yu Zhou broke his duck in a very dramatic, but ultimately very short sprint race. Even shorter than usual. Uh, let's just say the turn three wall got a proper test in this time round and uh, not in the good sense. Uh, so all of that and much more in the next hour or so. In the meantime, places you can find us real quick, we're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. If you're watching us on YouTube right now, hi, why not subscribe and hit the bell to get notifications when we're going live. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101 at... Uh, should I say, our personal handles are on the screen right now. If not, they're in the description. And also, ow, I just punched my keyboard there by accident. Way to go, Dre. <laughs> uh, we're, we're at Motorsport underscore 101 as our official Twitter. Our personal handles at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, and at CBucky917. And we can reveal as well exclusively, we are now on Instagram. We're on Instagram at Motorsport101Pod. Uh, you can check us out on there. It's the closest name we could fit. Please don't sue me. Um, but we are on there we're gonna hopefully start uh clipping some content out there um some sneak peeks some bloopers some some uh, early access sort of stuff as well uh all of that will be coming up in the next few days thanks to everyone that's already followed over despite the fact we technically have next to no content very grateful for that that's kind of my fault because i launched early on the page i got too excited sue me um, we're, we're very excited to call ourselves instagram influencers now oh, oh. god <laughs> I will never call myself an Instagram influencer so long as I shall live. Well, um, what if, what if we get paid to do it? Mm, maybe you can pull my arm. Anyway, <laughs> maybe, we can, uh, maybe we can just devolve into another F1 meme page on Instagram. Never, never. Someone we get never the hard base. 
Uh, any, anyway, we are also on Patreon, if you'd like to back us financially on there, patreon.com forward slash uh, motorsport101. Five bucks gets you early access to all of our shows on an audio standpoint, ten bucks gets you early access to all our video shows as well, and you can get access to the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen and watch these shows live as they're being recorded all those details and much more on the website motorsport101.com including a new updated written piece by me about MotoGP City Season we'll be talking more about that on episode 269 nice, nice. Uh, nice. in the MotoGP review for Catalonia coming up in the next couple of days or so so without further ado let's get in to the Russian Grand Prix so the Russian Grand Prix, and one of the main vocal points of the weekend was Q2. We had a big incident where Sebastian Vettel spun out into the turn four wall. No spin batter memes, I swear to God. Uh, <laughs> that also, that brought out a red flag with just over two minutes to go. Given Lewis Hamilton had, had his initial lap time deleted for a track limits breach at turn two, he was under pressure to get a lap in within the time limit. He did, he crossed the uh, start finish time with just over a second to spare and set a time good enough to get him into Q3. Four other drivers faced the stewards for not following race director instructions on the turn to Bollard, i.e. going through the outside of the track to try and rejoin safely, but no further action was taken on any of them. Hamilton eventually took pole in Q3 by just over half a second, no big deal, with Verstappen splitting the Mercs on the front row, uh, Valtteri Bottas in third and Sergio Perez in P4. Biggest talking point of the weekend, though, took place on the reconnaissance lap. Lewis Hamilton asked his team if it was okay to do a practice start at the end of the pit lane instead of the usual designated area because it was blocked off. His team said yes. The stewards disagreed. They hit Lewis with two five-second time penalties each for practice start violations, which Hamilton had to then serve during his one and only stop for the race. He would go on to finish in third of the initial pit stops dropping in from the lead. It gave Bottas a pretty comfortable time at the front to win the Russian Grand Prix again, with Max Verstappen in second and Lewis pretty much throwing in the towel after the pit stop and finishing in a comfortable third. Honourable mentions for a couple of key race incidents as well. Chaos on the opening lap. Carlos Sainz going wide at turn two, hastily trying to rejoin and then kissing the outside wall when trying to rejoin, spinning back onto the track. Very dangerous. Thankfully, he was okay. As well as Lance Straw being punted into the turn four wall after contact with Charles Leclerc at turn five. That caused the lap one safety car. We also had a fun fight between the infamous Twitch crew, as they call themselves now on Twitter, uh, as George Russell, Alex Albon, and Lando Norris scrapped it out, even if it was only for P16. So, Valtteri Bottas wins for Mercedes, head of Max Verstappen for Red Bull in second. Lewis Hamilton completes the podium in third. Sergio Perez finishes fourth. Daniel Ricciardo in fifth. Charles Leclerc in sixth. Esteban Ocon in seventh. Daniel Kvyat and Pierre Gasly for Alpatori, eighth and ninth. Without Sander Albon, rounding out the points in tenth. Non-points finishers, Antonio Giovinazzi, Kevin Magnussen, Sebastian Vettel, Kimi Raikkonen, Lando Norris, Nicholas Latifi, Roman Grosjean, and George Russell with two retirements on the first lap, Carlos Sainz Jr. and Lance Stroll. Which leads us to the championship as it stands as we go through Russia. Lewis Hamilton, very ironically, has a 44-point lead on Valtteri Bottas in second, 205-161. And more jokes... 
with Bottas is exactly 33 points ahead of Max Verstappen in third on 128. Lando Norris um, still in fourth on 65 points, Alex Albon now on 64, Daniel Ricciardo 63, Leclerc and Stroll both tied on 57, Leclerc ahead on countback, uh, they're ahead of Sergio Perez by just the one point uh, on 56, and Pierre Gasly in the top 10 still on 45. In the Constructors' Championship, Mercedes have a 366-point lead, Rebels 192. Mercedes practically guaranteed the Constructors' Champion at this point, barring an exclusion. McLaren third on 106, Racing Point on fourth on 104. Renault on 99 points, Ferrari on 74, AlphaTauri 59, Alfa Romeo 4, Haas 1, Williams still scoreless. So, now we got that out of the way, let's talk about some of the main talking points of the weekend and we have to address the practice starts first this was the one that erupted on social media uh, a lot of people were very quick to point out similar incidents like charles Leclerc in spa which we'll talk about in a bit more detail in a moment but king first and foremost what did you make of the situation there with hamilton because it was a it's, it was a, it's an unusual one. i don't think we've ever actually seen this like on the hard camera as it was happening, seeing Hamilton all the way down the end of the pit lane, taking a, a pair of practice starts. Yeah, because it, it, it was, you know, it's usually at a point in a race where the focus isn't on the cars themselves. Mm. It's usually on the grid, even if, you know, people, you know, haven't even tuned into the broadcast yet. It, it was, you know, a bit surreal to see someone get a penalty for something before they even made it to the grid. Yeah. Though for me, like it was, you know, ironclad Hamilton did a practice start in the pit exit and like, yeah, he did too. And it's kind of that situation where it's, you're pretty much arguing for mercy at that point. Hmm. It is strange because again, we don't normally see this on the hard broadcast, and we saw it this time clear as day as they were forming the grid and going on the reconnaissance laps. And it wasn't until about maybe half an hour later did we get the team radio call of Lewis because Lewis himself wasn't sure on this one, so he asked his team, "Is this okay? Like, is it okay to do a practice start here?" Because he said the designated practice start area, which is just on the inside of the the end of pit, the end of the pit lane. That was blocked off. He asked his team whether he could do it there or not. His team said yes. Um, so Hamilton obliged. Hamilton was just following what his team what his team had said, and you could hear the shock um, in Hamilton's voice when he found out during the race because it was about I think it was during the safety car we had at the start where uh, the announcement was um, was was uh, was made public that Hamilton had taken two five second time penalties for the incident, um, and it was like what happened, guys. What happened? Um, understandably, Hamilton looks very, very confused, or look or sounds very confused because he was told this was okay, and all of a sudden, it's basically cost him a shot at the win. Um, it, it, it seems like they didn't tell him because pretty much as soon as they rolled off the grid for the formation lap, it was, it was clear to everyone that Hamilton was going to get some form of penalty, and it seems like the team mm. just, like, kept them in the dark, and, like, maybe it won't be that bad, we won't have to let Lewis know this happened. Uh, yeah. Mercedes had said afterwards they, they were expecting, more or less, a stern talking to. They weren't expecting something concrete that would affect them out on track. 
mm, maybe a fine or something, I assume. Yeah. Which, which, is, which is what they ultimately ended up did get him. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but um, Hamilton came out with a couple of quotes after the race. He said to Autosport, quote, I don't know if the rules in terms of what happened today was anything to do with it, but naturally that's how it feels. It feels like we're fighting uphill, but it's okay. It's not like I've not faced adversity before. So we just keep our heads down and keep fighting and keep trying to do a better job and be cleaner and squeaky clean, as I said before. Which is crazy because at the time this announcement came out, they we they worked out that it was a it was a penalty point at the time for both offences, which would have brought Hamilton up to ten, which would have put him dangerously close yeah. to a one race ban. Because for those guys and, who don't know, twelve points. Yeah, and think. even before that, there was a big word because FI need to clarify that it was one point per infraction because normally mm. it's two points per infraction, and mm. you're about to get to the big thing. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, because twelve points in, in yeah twelve points in a calendar year equals a one race suspension. Hamilton was at ten because again, again, as King pointed to, if it was two points of a violation, we'd be looking at a runway span because he'd be up to the maximum of twelve. Um, and of course, the way the calendar has played out due to COVID, with a lot of races happening back to back to back in the latter half of the year. There's going to be a big gap before some of these points come off Hamilton's record. November 17th is when he will lose the two he got for Brazil last year. Um, so he's on 10 for a little while yet, yeah, another two or three rounds. So there's, there's still some danger in the air for Lewis regarding this. But uh, yeah, turns out after the race, um, the FIA and the stewards had a conversation. The stewards had actually changed the infraction. They took the two penalty points that Hamilton got away. They converted it into a cash fine. For Mercedes, I think it was 25,000 euros, I think it was, for Mercedes in the end. Yes. Um, a 25,000 euro fine because the stewards said that, well, Hamilton was basically told to do so by his team. It wasn't the driver's fault, per se. Um, and they felt like it was a, a more fair reflection on offence, basically. But, oh. We talked about this at the time as well, before we started recording as well. Like, Hamilton was not happy about this, and he immediately started screaming, big old conspiracy, and it's not the first time that, unfortunately, no. Hamilton's made these sorts of comments. Um, a, little, a little bit OTT. I mean, Cam, I know you wanted to talk about that a little bit, certainly. Yeah. Lewis has kind of had a habit of this, and I mean, when... We had another rule come in after last week, after his arrest the cops that shot Breonna Taylor shirt, mm. when you've got that rule handed down, where now you can't wear a t-shirt before... Uh, You're no longer you allowed to, the, to uh, undo your racing suit. Yeah. Uh, you have to have just your racing interview. suit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And different things, I mean, the engine mode ban... <sighs> I can almost kind of see why Lewis is thinking that the FIA is kind of out to get him. But in this case, it was, it was no conspiracy here. Yeah. Where they were slammed on penalties where Michael Massey, the Formula one race director was kind of point, like kind of pointed saying that the FIA are only here to administer the regulations. Uh, they're the police, the stewards are the judge and jury, and they're completely independent from the FIA. And the direct quote was, mm. but I think from an FIA perspective, we're there as a sporting regulator to administer regulations. 
We have the the stewards as an independent judiciary to adjudicate those, and therefore there was an infringement, and it doesn't matter if it was Lewis Hamilton or any of the other 19 drivers, it was a breach that occurred of the regulations, they will consider it on its merits. And by the letter of the law, by what happened, Lewis did break the rules. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, of course, this isn't the first time that Lewis has kind of cried foul at circumstances around him. This, the engine failure in 2016 at Malaysia, where he openly claimed that his team was sabotaging his engines. Mm -hmm. The whole of the blood feud with Massa in 2011, where the incidents were predominantly Lewis's fault. Yeah. I'm not going to hate the man for it. But he re- the victim complex is a bad look. Especially when we're talking about a 35-year-old veteran in his 13th season in the sport. Like, this yeah. is year 14 for Lewis in Formula 1. He, I, he's never been great at handling the media. He's always kind of put his foot in his mouth when, when, when he couldn't afford to. And it's made him look worse than he needed to in many of these occasions. Um, this is no difference, and he does himself no favors. And look, let's not beat around the bush here. A lot of people are targeting Lewis Hamilton for speaking out for a lot of important issues right now, and this is not the time for him to give to give idiots an easy gotcha by coming out with a quote unquote whiny statement. And I know there's more to it than that at face value, yeah. but. You're giving a lot of people a lot of unnecessary ammunition right now when more it's more important than ever that people get behind Lewis. And this is not doing anybody any favours right now because though, th- 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 this, was, this was a firestorm. Though there was an incident that did put the notion of an independent judiciary into question mm. where oh, the, yeah. the incident that we referenced in the cold open of the show where Mika Salo, the driver steward for this race weekend, uh, a former <laughs> Formula One driver of over 100-plus starts, allegedly, I, I should say allegedly, even though there's Keyword. there's video evidence of, yeah, well, it's not, not, on, not on his end, but the other end, where yeah. mm-hmm. allegedly he's he used to be, uh, he used to be a Formula One commentator for the Finnish broadcaster, and... Mm. His, his former commentary partner, who's still the lead commentator for the Finnish broadcast, apparently received a message from Mika Salo in the steward's office, uh, you know, about the penalty before it was officially announced. And you could see how that could be a bit of an issue. <laughs> that is uh, what one would term a little bit sus. Um. Yeah, <laughs> that's not acceptable. That <laughs> no, it's it's not on. And but where was like, it in the upper engine? No. Or was it in the uh, O2? <laughs> oh, I think it was an electrical. Look, no. if that's true, and by all accounts, by video evidence, as King said, it is true. Mikasalo should never officiate a Formula One race again. Counterpoint, yeah. it still wouldn't be the worst thing a member of the 1997 Tyrrell Formula 1 team, who just so also happens to have a son named Matt's in racing, oh. will have done in recent years. That oh, is fair. God. That, I, I, legally, I have to accept that. 
Yeah. So but. I just, I just, I just, I'm just imagining just like Mika Solo, just like in the steward's office as they're debating. He's just idling through his phone. He's just like sending <laughs> message to his buddy on Discord, like mm. y'all won't believe this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, that just so, sounds like a me move, honestly. Which is why I'm not a steward. Yeah, and it basically, it doesn't seem like it seems pretty innocuous to tell someone you worked with a long time that this happened. But the fact that they mentioned it on the broadcast at a point in time where the race hadn't even started yet. So in theory, yeah. if any of the other teams got this information, they could have changed their strategy, knowing that hey, Lewis is gonna be driving through the field and probably gonna act like a massive snowplow through the midfield, through the race. They're gonna change right. their strategy to, to account for that. Uh, yeah. Right, and and as, as King alluded to me, and I, t- I told a couple of mates about this when I was at work the following days afterwards, from a gambling standpoint, this is a terrible idea as well, because uh, for those guys who don't know, I'm in the gambling industry myself. I work for a bookies, the Irish ones in green. But uh, yeah, you know they 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 mentioned like it's it's a classic case of sporting integrity. For, for example, if David Beckham walked into my bookies right now, I wouldn't be allowed to to let him. I wouldn't be allowed to serve him a football bet because he might have people that might have an influence on the results. It's if we call it sporting integrity. If that happens, we have to investigate it straight away. We have and to let our superiors it's know. It's even more stringent when you're a race official or an official oh, God, in yeah. any sport. We should not have to even bring up the National Basketball Association. <laughs> What's up, Oh, oh dear. God, you don't. I even, just got you chills. don't even want to go there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You, you don't yeah. want to go there, but like that's the whole point from a sporting integrity standpoint. That could have huge implications on betting markets as well, and if you know. It brings the it whole system into danger because uh, being, being a race steward is not a full-time job. I highly doubt yeah. the FIA pays people to do this job. People have roles in other fields. They're mainly, normally, automotive executives. And uh, Mika Salo being, uh, you know, a former broadcaster's employee, do we know was was Salo paid to give this information? Do we have to worry yeah. about any of these executives making favors in for a, for their for their manufacturer? Yeah, you have an active conflict of interest mm. governing the race, right? That's this is the more exactly. interesting scandal of the weekend, can I just yeah. say? Yeah, because <laughs> it has much wider-reaching implications. Yeah, this oh, yeah. could change the whole way that the FIA, you know, implements stewards. Because, of course, in Formula One, it isn't a set team of stewards. It's a revolving door of guests. You know, that could end Indeed. as a result of this. Or they could just throw the book at Salo and just act like nothing happens. Yeah, yeah, but that's like least... you're off the board. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, and, and I agree. If that if this happened, and I said by all accounts this did, he should never officiate <laughs> another race again. Yeah, no, it's it, it, it's a it's a corruption risk. You you've got to take him off straight away and not even give it a second thought. Quite frankly, it's incredibly dangerous, um, and it damages the integrity of the entire sport. Integrity, um, in, uh, potentially. So you you've got to you got to smush that straight away. I know a lot of people also mentioned the Charles Leclerc incident real quick because Leclerc was given a uh, reprimand for a similar incident, but not the same rule that got breached at Belgium. A lot of people were quick to point that one out. Um, no coincidence, they're all hardcore Hamilton fans. It wasn't the, the same, same rule, rule that was. 
it was not the same rule. It was about a slow reconnaissance lap, and it was more of a misunderstanding because Leclerc had triggered the timing beacon to start his reconnaissance lap and then did a practice start afterwards. And it that should be noted that that timing line is after the pit exit ends. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Got to be a little bit careful on that one, but it wasn't the same rule. It's not fair to make that same comparison. Just wanted to make that out, just in case, because people have brought this up on Twitter in the last 24 hours or so at time of recording. Um, and let's also let's let's also get to the chase here as well, because there's a lot of heavy steward discussion in this episode for obvious reasons, because not only did we have oh. the big Asano incident and the practice starts, we also had a big one that seemingly was missed. The opening lap of the race and a, a, let's just say, a bump and run from Charles Leclerc on Lance Stroll at, at turn four on the opening lap. There was contact wheel to wheel. It spun Stroll into the inside wall. It ended his race immediately. Leclerc wasn't even investigated for said incident. Um, completely got away with it. It wasn't even noted by the stewards on, on, um, over the course of the race, um, let alone any sort of formal punishment. I mean, we've watched it back a few times in here via King's beloved screen share and F1 TV. Is was this a was this a slam dunk five second penalty that got missed? Because I think it was. Well, I, uh, go ahead, King. Well, like, not to get into the bureaucracy of the FIA, but like, it is very, very old school. You know, old school motor car slash yacht racing adjudicating, where if if the stewards. Or whoever's officiating the race misses a call, you can bring it up for to them to investigate. And you know, Racing Point didn't say anything about it, so maybe I mean, not. Yeah, also- but I I didn't like the f- at the very fucking least it should have been investigated. The fact that it wasn't investigated mm. at all, and it feels like it wasn't investigated because, well, we gotta have that lap one chaos. But, Drain, what if Charles Leclerc was moving his arms above his body in an unnatural <laughs> angle inside the penalty box? <laughs> would it have gotten a look then? Um, I, uh. I think it... I think it would have forced VAR to have a look at the incident after the final oh, no. whistle, just in case there was some sort of handball discretion. Mm. Not VAR, uh, anything but VAR. Uh, <laughs> Please don't also, bring out the VAR, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Also, shout out to Vic at our Discord that they, they put the comment that I thought was quite funny. Of maybe Mikasano was busy when the Leclerc incident happened. <laughs> Probably knows, panicking but... for his life. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, need a backup plan. I mean, um, <sighs> it, it, it was a classic incident of. Car goes up the inside. The Ferrari this year is well established as a bit shit. Yeah. And he just understeered out into Stroll's path. Hmm. Well, and- what incident did we see earlier this year where someone tried to go around the outside, the car inside, understeered into his path, and sent him straight into the shadow realm? And immediately I- after a race start, or at least within one lap within, within why at within the opening a lap race of, of the season? When Lewis Hamilton collected Alexander Albon for the second time in three Formula One Grand Prix. Yeah. Yeah. Grand Prix, Hamilton got five seconds say. for that. Yeah. And Hamilton got five seconds for that. That's the key point. Um, yeah. He got, Where's the consistency? He got, 
Different yeah, race stewards. We are done here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> a, a soon to be, a soon to be uh, exiled race steward. There's uh, the inconsistency is enraging. Yeah, because again, I'm bringing back the way the way these races are officiated are completely different than any other sport. There are no hard and fast penalties. There, there are a set list of penalties they're allowed to give out, but not a set of, hey, X penalty. I mean, X infringement gives you X penalty like you get in like, the National Football League or like basketball, mm. where it's like it's, it's very fluid and open to interpretation. Uh, it's both it's both good because it's flexible, but it's also bad because you could get a situation that's very similar, but get a different penalty outcome. Well, and Especially it's like, when, yeah. I, I, I mean, look at, uh, look at this year with F2 when Mazepin shoved, uh, was it Sunoda off? Yeah. Mm. In a near carbon copy of what happened at Austria last year between Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen. Right. Max didn't get a penalty. Mazepin did. And it cost him a win. It's, you can't say, oh, well, we don't want to affect the outcome of a win because you literally fucking did. You, you, you just did. You took a win off somebody for that. Like you yeah. literally took a win off of, off a driver so, for that. Into this, so it, it and feels stu- like hmm. it feels like the the ruling of given infringements, as King said, there's no consistency because there can't be consistency. The system breeds inconsistency, and especially when the stewards can pick anything from. No further action, a warning, five seconds, ten seconds, yeah. drive-through penalty, ten seconds stop, go, and then in the most extreme of cases, a black flag, you're done for the day. So, like, you know, yeah. I would be I would be fine with, if it, with, you know, the outcomes being inconsistent, if the methodology but behind how they got to that outcome was consistent. But the thing is, yeah. we have no idea how they're getting from point A to penalty B. But they didn't even start on their way to a point because they didn't even <laughs> investigate this incident. Yeah, Didn't happen. It, it, uh, investigating it but not penalizing it would be inconsistent, but at least they will have looked at it. Yeah. They didn't even right. look at this incident. Right, they didn't warrant it. They didn't have it warrant me worth a second look, and that is what's worrying because that but, was. But the thing is, had... circling back around to the start, it could have been investigated if Racing Point wanted it to be investigated. So they, I think so at they this just point t- with Racing Point, <laughs> they just don't care anymore. Yeah. They're all in on next year. Maybe, maybe it's because the fact they're British and they don't feel too guilty about haggling too much. It's something that we Brits are used to. We can't stand haggling, so we just thought we felt guilty about the whole thing. So we just thought, sod it. We'll let we'll let, we'll let this one go. Um, maybe it was that. Um, we we had to talk a little bit more. There's, there's, there's yet more stewarding to get through here as well because one of the main talking points of the entire weekend was turn two. Turn two oh, in general at Sochi. Well, first and foremost, it was. We, we see these clips on Friday practice all the time and on Saturday in qualifying. The safety car driving over the section in question where they're checking where they're, where they're checking for track limits. And in this case, it was turn two. They they said, look, if anybody goes wide at turn two and goes off the track, they have to go the long way around through the uh, the dead space there on the on the tarmac and then through the back end of the corner at where, where turn three starts. There's a pair of bollards. They have to go through before rejoining and re-entering the track. Yeah. Um, and this came up... If I can, this came, if I can interject. Yeah, 
you know, remember last year, this became a big talking point because, what was it, Jack Aitken? Mm. Didn't go, he didn't take the long route. This long route's been a thing at this track. Yeah. Mm. He didn't take it, and he triggered a hellacious accident. Yeah, I think it was the uh, Bahari Matsushita that, that got yeah. that got launched. I remember Matsushita yeah. got the worst of it. He got the worst of it. There was two or three other cars uh, involved. But I want to so, say Mazepin took the took the brunt of the blame for that. Yeah, but it was, it was him covered. and Rags that were uh, taking mm-hmm. up penalty points left, right, and center. It was, yeah. but Aiken was, I believe, was given primary blame because he didn't take the long route through uh, through turn two. Man, I want to talk about this turn two because it seems like there is no good way to fix this. Because obviously, you don't want to just if you if you shortcut if you like mess up the corner by yourself unassisted. Fine, you shouldn't just be able to shortcut your way back on the track. I get it, but the way the rule is interpreted, it almost seems like the, there is room for somebody to just be a. T- Total dick the whole race, block past people all day at that corner and shove people over the sausage curbs and get away with it because, well, if they miss the baller, because they hit the sausage curb, they have to go and take through take the road through the ballards now. And we saw that with Daniel Ricardo during the race. He came out he came out of the pits in a dodgy situation because his teammate was right alongside him. Ricardo had to uh, was I love that one of our Aussie mates in the Discord, uh, James Calantis, described it as there was a turtle on the apex. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Ricardo had to go around the outside of him and by doing so he touched the sausage curb. He didn't go through the the uh, boil at the end of the, of the corner and was given a five second time penalty. He got a nice pat on the back from the internet though when, when he when the radio message was brought up and he was guess I'll just drive faster. My bad. Um, <laughs> he, he completely owned <laughs> oh, he it. Didn't it was like, that. He didn't have to. Oh, he didn't have to. It's look. It's it's kind of this annoying zero tolerance thing, like the way the yellow line mm. rule at the NASCAR Super Speedways used to be. And you're thinking like. There's no good way to fix this. I mean, you can't just reprofile the track. And I know what everybody would love to have is to just dig up a big sinkhole and fill it up with sand or gravel. Or gravel! But Magma. that's not going to happen because that's a parking lot for an ice hockey arena that looks like an Apple Magic Mouse. But, like, the the biggest issue about, you know, about the need for, for that rejoin to be there is because you're re-entering a high-speed corner. If it yeah. was a straight, it wouldn't be an issue. But the yeah. fact that you're already loading up one inside a car, going around the corner, and if someone just randomly just rejoins the track, it's going to be hard for you to just move out of the way. And the reason why all that vast expanse of runoff is there is because it's a braking zone at the end of a 200-plus mile an hour straightaway. Yep. You yep. can't yep. just have that be a solid wall, Peter Windsor. <laughs> uh. <laughs> And and the rejoin situation there almost reminds me a little bit of, um, obviously you can't normally rejoin there, but you're fired out almost in a similar situation of what happened at Austria with MotoGP, where if someone has an incident, you're going to get sent out more or less into the path of other cars through a high-speed corner. Right. And you can't do that. Yeah. And, and, we, and and unfortunately, drivers will also try and take liberties going back onto the track. It's what happened to Carlos Sainz, which caused that enormous lap one incident. He tried going through the bollard at speed. He hit the inside wall. 
Um, and we saw that with Romain Grosjean towards the end of the Grand Prix. He drove straight through the bollard, which I thought was quite funny. Yeah. Um, well, well, his situation... His situation was exactly what RJ described, where Vettel blocked past him into the runoff area. Yeah. And Grosjean had to go off the track because he hit the sausage curb. Um, and then he drives straight through the bottle to re-enter the track, and he got five seconds as well. Not that it really mattered for where he was at the race in that point in time. But, but the, yeah. But, yeah, the Fenty's idea penalty. of, you know, being blocked past off, like... How would someone take being blocked past like that if there wasn't the runoff there? Like they wouldn't, they would. They would you know, have to jump out of yeah, the corner. They would check up. They wouldn't. They wouldn't take the runoff area. So they go in there knowing that, hey, if I get blocked past off, I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna like pull out of the corner. I'm just gonna go down the runoff area. Right. Right. The, the, it's, it's just again, drivers are always gonna take every liberty they think they can afford and. Yeah, they're not going to put gravel there, so this is what we're going to have to do instead, because there's no other realistic way of feasibly doing this to keep it quote-unquote fair. Because Or if you are going to race in, in the uh, the Republic of Russia, maybe you could go to another track. Just saying. <laughs> oh, are we are we, are we we down on Sochi this much before we move on to Formula 2 as well a little bit? I mean, a couple other things. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, um, before we wrap this portion of it up, because there is some important news, like Valtteri Bottas won. I know everybody was giving him shit for popping himself up after he won, which I say, look, it's... He he can never find a way to satisfy anybody in this day and age, in the year of our Lord 2020. I know he's not been himself most of the season. I, mean, I get that. He talks up a fair. big game and never delivers. I get that as well. But it's like he is in a spot where, as Drake pointed out, he either has to match Lewis Hamilton, the greatest of our generation, or he gets cut for some twink from Kingsland. The <laughs> oh <laughs> Kingsland counter. <laughs> Counterpoint? He was out-qualified by a Red Bull in qualifying and out-qualified by Lewis by almost seven-tenths at his best track. This is his best track. Yeah, they pay out points on Saturday, don't they? Well. (sighs) Yeah, look, Valtteri took 26 points. He did everything that was asked of him. Look, the whole point and the biggest reason people are dunking on Valtteri now is because he is starting to leak points to Verstappen. He cleaned Verstappen's clock this weekend. Like, give the man his due. The amount of people that I saw jumping on him, which, which at this point, to whom it may concern, fuck you, is pretty much his catchphrase, because he's done this twice now, yeah. right? Like, let the man have his moment. He's just won a Grand Prix 90 seconds ago. Like, Jesus. Like, let the man be happy he's won a Grand Prix, especially in the midst of a bunch of people dunking on him on the internet. I saw some of the comments on his Instagram page after, like, celebrating his win, and they were just so mean. They were like, why can't you just, like, I saw one that said, why don't you just be a good boy and get out of the way and let Lulu take his win every time? And I'm like, well, how is he meant to respond to that? <laughs> like, <laughs> if you're, if you're going to send comments like that, which I don't always recommend on our on our platform where we influence people on Instagram.com forward slash motorsport101pod, Papa Oscar Delta. Um, maybe just, like, I don't know, tell him that his family's pizza game isn't that great. I mean, it doesn't yeah, objectively works. hurt anybody, and that pizza was terrible. Agreed. 
Go, like, there's your Motorsport 101 top tip. In the, uh, if you want to have a jab at Valtteri Bottas and not look like a total arse, just criticise his pizza. That works. Um, Apple and onion go- pizza. Good fucking God. <laughs> no, Sergio, kids, don't do we that. thought Perez was as low as it got, but no, there's always farther to fall. Oh, oh dear, oh dear. Oh dear. Um, um, so, you know, shout out to Valtteri for a win. That's pretty much all out of Russia. Um, it, the race, it existed, uh, for lack of a better term. It yeah. was a, it, it was, it was fine. But there's one other big news story to get into here. Again, as mentioned, we joked about it. <laughs> we, we just missed it after we finished recording our first episode, uh, this time round, uh, our second episode last week. It was, uh, Chase Carey stepping down as Formula One CEO. Um, and uh, he's going to be replaced by Stefano Domenicali, effective oh. January 1st. As, as Carey moves into a non-executive role within Formula 1, and he'll be staying on until January 1st to basically uh, set Stefano up to run the sport properly from New Year's, basically. So 2021, January 1st, Stefano Domenicali will be Formula 1 CEO, and... Uh, I love that everybody went straight for the Ferrari jokes. Like, oh, look, FIA Ferrari International Assistance is back. And I'm just like, oh, God. It's just, it's just Did y'all not so know that he actually, before this, he ran um, an Italian car company that is decidedly not Ferrari? Yeah. Did y'all know right. that he got fired from Ferrari? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ironically, right. probably maybe the most competent of their last few team principals. Oh, by right. a mile and a stretch, he was their best guy since Tot left. Dear right. God. Um, yeah. I like the move. I like it. I really do. Um, King, what other like projects has he overseen? Um, because I know he's also been involved not just with Automobili Lamborghini, but also with the uh, road to Formula One. Yes, uh, since his departure from Ferrari, he took up uh, Gerhard Berger's old position of the FIA president of the of their single seater commission meaning that he effectively ran he effectively oversaw all the FIA single seater categories outside of Formula 1 uh and you know in the past 6 years he's done a pretty good job like F- F2's pretty is real strong they put out a good product develop good drivers uh they got they're not, you know, struggling to get teams in the door. Same for a Formula 3. Well, Formula GP3 in the European Formula 3 championship. Now it's just one championship. Yeah. Uh, hmm. For the most part, he, he's, he's been effective at his position at the FIA. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, him he's... being able to streamline the ladder to F1 like we have in, Mot- in MotoGP, where we have... A clear-cut ladder system. Um, that's that so far has been his biggest accomplishment. I'm eager to see uh, what he does at the top of the current of his uh, new job. Although I will say we will miss Chase Carey's mustache. Yeah, mustache is gone. It's Tremendous inspiration. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like indeed. the move. Um, and as you said, Domenicali's been very effective. He was 
ran Lamborghini. I don't think Lamborghini's ever been run better. Just Lamborghini, just change the body and the badges. You'll have a winner. This signed by Audi AG. And and as you said, he's every every feeder series for Formula One has been very healthy over the last couple of years. Less said about the Formula Two cars reliability, the better. But other than mm. that, from an on track product perspective, it's been excellent. Yeah, can't really argue. I haven't really really got too much to add to anything else that's been said. You know, he's done good work with a single seat commission. He's done good work with the juniors. Don't see any reason why he shouldn't have a good shot at this. And uh, I look forward uh, to seeing what comes up. And it's a bit like what Emperor Palpatine says at the end of the prequels, where he just goes, looks at Anakin and he goes, we look forward to seeing your career with great interest. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> seeing what goes on from there. I love um, democracy. <laughs> We'll have to wait and see how that goes. But looking forward to seeing how Stefano takes the reins in 2021. So, with that in mind, let's move into Formula 2. Yeah, we had our feature race. We are now uh, three rounds away from the end of the championship as of this weekend and now two left. So let's go over what happened in the feature race. This race started with a nasty turn two crash in the opening lap as Yuri Vips was spun out and Christian Lundgaard was put in the outside wall, effectively ending his championship chances. After Yuki Tsunoda took a pole in a Carlin 1-2, it was Mick Schumacher that stole the show with another feature race win. The main highlight, pulling off a move his dad would have been proud of. A lovely switchback at the turn two chicane to pass Yuki after the main straight. Another title contender, Robert Schwartzman, was hurt by a bad prima pit stop and never really recovered on the medium tires, finishing in 11th. There was also late trouble for Callum Eilat. He was set for a dogfight with Schumacher at the end of the race, but overcooked his tires and fell to third, narrowly beating an aggressive Luca Giotto over the line by, by a quarter of a tenth of a second. In the sprint race, it was dominated by a race-ending incident as Jack Aitken and Luca Giotto made contact at turn three, the former suffering a puncture and understeering into Giotto with both cars going into the wall hard under the barriers. Luca's car caught fire and the race was red-flagged on lap seven. It was not restarted due to the damage sustained by the barrier, and Guan Yu Zhou of China at the front of the field won his very first Formula 2 race, even if he did only receive half points. Mazepin was second with Schumacher in third. Aiken and Giotto had their fourth and fifth reinstated on countback. Jayon Daruvala's penalty for a turn two runoff, however, was not. Our championship standings, Mick Schumacher on 191 points has a 32-point lead over Callum Island in second. Yuki Tsunoda is third. Christian Lundgaard fourth. Robert Schwartzman and Nikita Mazepin tied on, a, on fifth apiece. So, Dre, is this Mick Schumacher's championship to lose now with a 22-point lead in the standings, I should say? Still, talk to me after the first round of Bahrain. That's all <laughs> I would say on that one. The Bahrain. Because, uh... Don't. Don't. <laughs> we're you not do not respect there. fine, upstanding rovals like the Daytona roval like this. Yeah, we're we're taking the uh, kids out to the outer. Have, I mean, outer loop. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's That's it's it. tough to see. It, for me, it's tough to see. I know anything can happen with uh, two race meetings and four races left, but this Mick has rounded into form. He started the year off being quietly consistent, even if he wasn't winning races, and now he's consistently picking up wins. And I think in the form that he is in, it's going to be very tough to see Mick Schumacher 
giving away this championship. Yeah, it's, man. Yeah, like, I mean. There, there's nothing like second season Mick in the stretch. He is a consistent podium finisher. If not on the podium, it's going to be on the top step of said podium. He is frightening. I, I, again, I love that, that Cam just put a picture of LeBron James staring into the abyss when, when describing year two Mick. To, to follow on King's point, seven podiums in the last nine races for Mick Schumacher, including two feature race wins. I think um, Cam's trying to say that Mick's just built game different. Six. Uh, game, no. six. Uh, trying to say. Game, game six, 2012 LeBron. Uh, look, he... Mick takes a bit to get going. We know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But once he... It, it, it's very similar to his dad, isn't it? His dad took a while in Group C to really get on the pace. And in his last year of Group C, oh my god. And then he went to Formula One and became Michael Schumacher. Right. As we know him. And in the second half of this year, Mick has been raining points on this field. Yeah, it's it's getting to the point where titles are one on your bad days, and Mick just isn't having the bad days at the moment. He's just all, he's picking off opportunities where he can get them. If this pace is good, he's going to be in the top three now, pretty much guaranteed. He wasn't particularly great at Majella, but he still finished fifth and fourth that weekend, and it was good points where people well, around it. him struggled. Yeah, yeah, that's even just when it. He's, he, even when he's off the pace, he just doesn't. He doesn't drop the points that everyone else does. Indeed. And uh, that's what's got him to this point where he's 22 in front with, with four races left. Um, not only somebody that, he's got an Alfa that. Romeo FP1 drive, but it's not all bad because, hey, Callum, you're also getting an FP1 drive. And hey, Robert, wait for Abu Dhabi because you're getting an FP1 drive. <laughs> Everyone's getting FP1 drives. Sorry, Everyone's a winner. Yeah, I mean, earlier earlier in the year, I had remarked that, you know, Mick is the most complete of the three Ferrari juniors, where Agreed. he hasn't been the fastest, but he has everything in a certain quantity, and now he's looking like the fastest. He's hit that point. It's, it, it's looking like there isn't a major hole in Mick's game anymore, and that is as high praise as you can give someone in Formula 2. Callum Mylot yep. needs a big weekend between now and the end of the year to realistically have a shot. And honestly, I think it's more a two-horse race than a five- or six-horse race at this point. Because once you go past Eilot, Sonoda's 44 back. I mean, there's only about 90 points left on the table. Yeah. It, would take a, it, would, it would take a super human effort for anyone else they would need to get into play this one. They would need one Schumacher non-points finish for them to really be back in this. Yeah. And even Agreed. earlier in the year, I mean, Mick Mick has only really DNF'd or lost points off of circumstance rather than driver error or crashing. Mm. He had a fire extinguisher go off in his car while he was fighting for a podium earlier this year. Yeah. I see this on the set list. What happened with Daruvula? So, the thing is, right, I'll quickly explain. Now, when... Aiken and Giotto had their incident. That was on lap seven of the race, right? Right. Now, 
the red flag came out during lap seven, so that constitutes going back to the last fully completed lap. I think it's a two-lap count back. So they took the results from the end of lap five, right? Now, Jehan de Ruvela, I believe he went wide through the turn two and didn't use the bottle, as he mentioned earlier, on yeah. lap six. So it, it's funny because they took the result from lap five. So technically speaking... The Ruvener's incident didn't actually happen, but the FIA put the penalty on him anyway after the result. And because the field was still quite bunched up at at, at lap five, it sent the Ruvener out of the points. I think he ended ended up in in 11th place in the end, so he didn't score any points. Because his penalty was reinstated after the fact. Because the nature of the penalty system is that the penalty system is punitive, not reparative. It's not there to correct something that has happened. It's there to punish someone for an infraction. And despite that race lap technically not happening, Daruvula still did the crime. So, I so, need a cigarette. Because, so, <laughs> <laughs> like, honest to oh. God question, like... I just have a question. Like, well, at what point does Ryan King like regenerate into Jody Whittaker's version of the Doctor? Um, <laughs> because that explanation was that 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 needed like a TARDIS and a sonic screwdriver to get through all of that. Bless him. But uh, yeah, that, that is the quick explanation as to why the Ruvula still had that penalty. And we have to mention the the turn three incident between Aiken and Giotto. It was it was a brutal looking one in real. We saw it in real time as it was happening. Um, you know, Aiken and Giotto were going side by side through turn three. Um, the long sweeping left hander, Aiken and, and Giotto bang wheels. Um, the the it was first floor to wheel. wheel. It was floor yeah, to was, tire. The yeah. first initial contact they had. This is a clean Yikes. slice. <laughs> A, a clean slice of Jack Aitken's uh, tire. It caused the puncture. So, of course, naturally, um, Aitken then understeers into Giotto's car and they both go flying into the outside turn three wall. Giotto ended up under the barrier, which is all sorts of nasty. Um, so so I woke up late. Mm. I woke up late to this. The first thing I see in that race is a driver climbing up out of the wreckage of the barrier. Like, right? It's like, like what happened? Right. That's that's basically what happened. It was an enormous incident, and uh, like I said, Giotto's gone under the wall. His car then catches fire, which then sets the wall partially on fire. Um, luckily, Giotto had leapt out of the car and and. And ran to safety by this point. Aitken, thankfully, was okay as well. Um, both walked away from the incident, but uh, they they spent a good twenty. The race was immediately red flagged, and yep. of course, and uh, they 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 the the uh, unfortunately because the incident is in between two marshalling posts, it took them quite a while to get the fire to get the fire uh, firemen down there to put it out. Unfortunately, and by that point, there was just way too much damage to the wall for them to fix within the time limit. So they said about 15 minutes later, the race will not be restarted. Guan Yu Zhou takes his first victory in Formula 2. But as mentioned, we didn't get to... Because we didn't get... I think the rule is to 66% race distance. It's only yeah. half points. Yeah. Um, they didn't do two-thirds distance. So as a result, uh, Zhou only got half points for the incident. Um, I would say go, going under the wall is not as terrifying as it sounds. Like 
you know, from what we normally what? talk about going going <laughs> yeah. under a wall and say MotoGP because uh, the tech pro barrier is triple la- uh, triple layered. So if you go under the first wall, uh, there is still another wall. And then another wall behind that. I was going to say, we saw this at this track a couple years ago. I can't, it was one of the Toro Rossos. It might have been Sainz. It was It was Carlos Sainz. I remember yeah. this. Mm. Yeah, he went off, um, he went into the the outside, uh, the inside barrier and slid and ended up in a very similar situation where his car submarine under some of the tech pro. Yeah. Thankfully, like, he was okay, and his hair was impeccable. Yeah, because <laughs> it's it's highly unlikely that you'll ever submarine under two. Three is pretty much, like, near impossible. I don't want to say it never happened, but it's it, like, it would take a heavier car. It would take something like a GT car for that to yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah. Something Thankfully, with a little more uh, inertia behind it. Yeah. Thankfully, everybody okay yeah. in the end where that was concerned, but a nasty one indeed. Like I said, everybody all right, thankfully, but a nasty one to look in look at in real time, certainly. And uh, hey, who doesn't like looking at half points on a championship leaderboard anyway? <laughs> but that was Alan just Frost a... <laughs> screaming, <laughs> screaming into the distance. Uh, oh, that was nineteen eighty four when you lost the championship by half a point. <laughs> <laughs> Idiots. times. We don't have F2 this next round, but we do have F1 on the 11th of October at the Nürburgring Grand Prix circuit at the Eiffel Grand Prix, which if you're among the many people attending this race and you want to get close to your favorite driver, uh, don't get something that may get you escorted off the premises. Oh, yeah. And ooh, it is... A long time till we'll see Formula 2 again. It'll be yeah. two, two months! months. <laughs> oh. Man, forget Thanksgiving Day NFL. This is Thanksgiving Week showdown I want to see. Yeah, We no got kidding. turkey. We got cranberry sauce. We got mashed potatoes. And we got Formula 2. You love to see it. Um, but uh, sadly, we have to wait the better part of 50 plus days by the time this goes out before we see Formula 2 race again at both Bahrain rounds for their season finale. So, uh, sigh, big sigh. We'll see you in a couple of months in terms of the fourth. And that'll be for the Formula 2 season finale, where technically anybody down to Luca can still win the championship. Good luck, boys. Have at it. But in the meantime, we'll be back to talk Formula One in a, got a couple of weeks' time coming off the Nurburgring. But basically, you can find us before we get out of town real quick. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. Our personal accounts are on the screen right now or down below. If not, at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, at CBuckley917. Remember, we're on Instagram now, at Motorsport101Pod, P-O-D. Um, check us out on there as well for glorious, glorious extra content we haven't quite figured out yet. Um, but uh, in the meantime, if you'd like to back us financially, you can do that on Patreon as well. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport101. Uh, $5 gets you access to all our audio shows, $10 for the video versions, and uh, and you can support us on our Discord. You can listen to these shows live as they're being recorded. Check it out if you haven't already. Um, all of that and much, much more uh, on the website, Motorsport101.com. 
And we'll be back yeah, for the next episode in a couple of days' time, talking about MotoGP Catalonia, because uh, El Diablo returned with a vengeance on that one to take his third win of the year. Um, and, unfortunately, the attrition all happened behind him. More on that next time round. But until then, I've been Dre Harrison, they've been RJ O'Connell, Ryan Eric King, and Cam Buckley. Until next time, sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. Mick Schumacher with no regard for human life. Officer, I was, ol officer, I was only leading you down a high-speed chase because I really had a poop. <laughs>